Speedway is on Twitter. At Mpakanyane. And make that hashtag weekend breakfast just so that it'll be that much easier to find you. A key question that we're asking with Nikki Bush is uh, how do you teach your your kids to play to win or to play to have fun? Is there a cutoff limit or a cutoff age for playing just for fun? I guess this pertains to sports and just winning in general. Nikki, good morning. Good morning, Rafiwe. How are you? I am fantastic. I trust you well. I am super. Thank you. So the world loves a winner until the winner loses. <laughs> Let's talk well. about what we teach our children about winning, about competition and sportsmanship. Um, what are your thoughts on this? What have you been seeing on your uh, parenting expert journey? Okay, well, I think let's just look at the world at large at the moment and see the examples we're surrounded with, which provide such rich, teachable moments for our children. Mm-hmm. And the first, of course, being the U.S. election. <laughs> and sure. there we've had Biden versus Trump. We've had a very, very sore loser. Yep. <laughs> There's ever been a sore loser. The world also loves a good loser in this instance. Exactly. You know, there's that that, uh, whole saying of we need to teach our children to win with humility and to lose with grace. And we really are seeing a terribly bad example there. We can get into some of that just now. The second example is that we've got the Masters Golf on at Mm -hmm. the moment. And the third one is MasterChef. I don't know if you're watching the latest installment of MasterChef, yeah. uh, which I always find a fascinating program to watch for so many reasons, mm. um, which we'll also get into shortly. And then a Netflix series called The Queen's Gambit, yes, which is all about chess and I have also found that very fascinating to watch for so many reasons, including what drives somebody mm. to want to win so badly. And, and then also, you know, watching the, um, should we say the gentlemanliness of chess? Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings me to say that there are a couple of things that all of those four examples have in common. The one is that every one of them has rules of play, like Monopoly, you sure. know? Mm-hmm. There are rules of play. When you watch that U.S. election, which is so darned complicated, um, you know, from the outside, there are processes, there are rules, and one has to play by the rules. There are, there are rules that govern everything that happens. Sure. And um, there are rules that govern a game of soccer, uh, when your kids are playing, you know, kid, kiddie soccer in preschool, there are rules that govern soccer in high school. There are rules that govern soccer when you get to the big leagues. You know, there are rules of play. And in every one of these situations, it's competitive. There will be a winner and there will be a loser. Sure. And who knows who's going to be the winner and who knows who's going to be a loser? Look at the U.S. election. How... A narrow a margin was there. You know, that was deeply competitive. Mm-hmm. In Masters Golf, it could be the difference between one shot or a birdie or something like that just changes the game. Um, and then there's always a favorite to win, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. What are they talking about in Masters Golf at the moment? Is Tiger going to win? Um, and, and think about Tiger. 
you know, he was top of the pops until he did something in his personal life that absolutely took him to the bottom of the heap. Sure, sure. In people's perception. And with MasterChef, what I love about the teachable moment in MasterChef is never judge a book by its cover. And you say that relating to the contestants themselves or perhaps yes. even the food? Well, the contestants. Yeah. You know, we, we look at people. Uh, we have perceptions before they even begin. Mm-hmm. We look at them and based on what they look like or based on how they present. So the episode I watched last night, um, in these first couple of episodes, all the old contestants have come back. Yeah. And... Um, and I'm, I'm, the one I watched last night was with Callum, who was, um, they, they, were, they were working against Gordon Ramsay. Now, Gordon Ramsay is the top celebrity chef in the world. And you know, he's tough. And um, <laughs> that doesn't begin to describe him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, how scared must those three contestants have been? Absolutely. Pitting themselves against him, having to match their pace, their skills, with having no frame of reference, no picture of what they were doing, just doing the job and doing it quickly. Sure. And, and those three contestants, I would have put my money on the fact that Callum would not have won that challenge because he, he was the more nervous of the three. He's the less outgoing of the three. You know, it, there's a whole lot of filters that we use to mm-hmm. judge, you know, and yet he's the one who won that challenge. And it, it's just, and, and every, every episode of MasterChef, there's always a surprise and you just, you know, you start thinking about what's that inner well um, that drives somebody to win. Mm. And it's different for, 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 for everybody and, and in every situation. And if we look at um, um, survival, is sometimes a huge driver to push somebody to win. Sure. It's, it could be out of necessity. And it might not be on the sports field, might not be in a cooking challenge. It might just be in life. Sometimes somebody's been put down so often that something deep inside them, that grit and determination comes to the fore. And they say, well, I'm blooming all going to show the world I can do this. And that sort of fear almost becomes a source of energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting how fear and unfortunately trauma can become a, a driving force um, uh, in, in, in winning or competing. Yeah, but then there's also the ego mm-hmm. and it's looking good. And now that, I think we can look at a Donald Trump, for example. Sure. And we can say, what's driving that? Now, somewhere, I mean, he's going to make a wonderful case study. I'm sure somebody's written the book and looked at his childhood and, um, you know, he's a, he's a bully. That would be um, his, ne- his niece who's written that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so, you know, somebody who's been put down a lot and who's turned into a bully is often somebody who is trying to control the world that they couldn't control before. Interesting. And they play power games and it's an absolute power struggle and there's ego and there's looking good um, and there's fear, mm. there's fear of, of not winning. Um, and then there's, of course, that person who's just developed an I can mentality, who puts themselves out out there, who who just does their best all the time, who's obviously got some skills and who's got a well of grit and determination that comes to the fore and they can just keep going. And then the last thing that I've come up with today is fun, having fun and a love of the game. Mm-hmm. 
because you can also sense a love of the game. Like, uh, you know, I think when I watched Nadal and Federer play, play tennis, there's that huge well of grit and determination, but I think underneath it all, they also love the game. And there's a gentlemanliness about them, even though they are intensely competitive. Sure. So what interesting examples, you know, that we've got um, that our children are watching right now. And I, and I watched some of the parents um, commenting on CNN around the U.S. election. How many parents commented on the fact that this election was incredibly important for their children to watch? For what reasons, Nikki? What, how, how are they helping their children process this moment? And, and we'll talk about how to help children process um, yes. the idea of competition and winning in general. Yeah, so they were talking about um, the fear that they've all been living under, under Donald Trump, and that they feel that the better man won here, that they're going to have a fairer leader, um, that they're going to have somebody who they can respect, that they're going to have, look, I don't know if we can respect many politicians (laughs) at the end of the game, end of the day, but... um, they're looking for a better example. When we look in our own country, um, when Zuma was our leader, there was a lot of social dialogue amongst parents, amongst educators about how we had a very poor example of leadership for our children. It was not a good example because it was a bully, you know. Same with, with Trump. A real bully who, who breaks the rules of the game. And if you watch Trump right now, he's trying to find any, any way possible to disprove the election results. So here's a question, Nikki. When, um, when someone who is, when someone undeserving to, you know, from your perspective, or when someone who's not a good example, uh, wins, right at a particular game mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do you talk to parents around having that conversation or processing the fact that um <laughs> the deserving individual uh, that's how, that's what happens in life you know mm-hmm. yes so um there's a there's an interesting message here and an interesting bit of learning is and you just used the word that's life um that that can happen and the world is not always a fair place and we can't always control the outcome to be, you know, to go the way we want it to go. Mm-hmm. So you might have your favorite in a race. You might have your favorite in a game. You might think that you are the one who needs to win, um, but it might not, not go in your favor. Sure. And so I think that's the other thing. And that's one of the reasons why parents are so important in a child's life. So playing games with your kids. And giving them the opportunity to win and to experience loss is so important. Give them safe spaces in which to learn how to win and to lose. Mm -hmm. To learn how to play the rules of the game. Play by the rules of the game. And um, to learn how to be strategic. Now, you can be strategic and devious. Mm -hmm. And you can be strategic and above board. Haven't you played games of Monopoly and other kinds of games with kids where you discover different personality types in the game? Absolutely. You discover that there is that kid who's going to be devious, 
who's going to try and and win by any means, even if it means dropping a card under the table. Um, Helping or, themselves you know, to 300 as opposed to two when their pass begin. Yes, we know exactly. them. <laughs> exactly. So I guess what we're saying is, you know, through, through play and through games, you will actually discover different personality types. Mm. You will discover that not, not everybody in the world is nice. Not everybody in the world is going to let you win. Now, this is an important thing we have to remember as parents. The world at large is not going to let your child win. Your child is going to have to prove themselves in the world. Your child is going to have to put themselves against a lot of different people and circumstances and rise to the top. Then we now flip to let's let's move away from playing games. Let's look at maybe being at school. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a trend at the moment to send your child to much smaller schools, to boutique schools, uh, where they can cater to our children's needs, um, etc. Well, interestingly, um, my friend and colleague, uh, educational psychologist Derek Jackson, has always maintained that the bigger the school, mm. the more your child is going to have to learn how to rise to the top on their own steam, to find their place in the world. To compete, sure. To the more, the more, the bigger the school, the more you'll find more people who are your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You will find a friend, okay. And there will be more opportunities to express yourself. It's quite interesting. The tinier the school, um, the less opportunities, but the more it will be tailored to you to help you to succeed and win. So this is a double-edged sword here. It's quite a fine line. Yeah, yeah. About allowing children to win and facilitating their success and allowing them to kind of fight it out, so to speak. And our children need a bit of both. They need to build their competence and their confidence by winning enough and learning strategy and learning their skills and having the opportunity to hone their skills, but they also need to be put out in the arena sometimes. Sure. And they have to learn how to how to rise to the, the top on their own steam. And I think what's very interesting, I, read, uh, I watched a video once, a landmark video called Golf and the Int- Intelligence of Play, applying what athletes call the zone to parents' performance and education, where they looked at 30 successful professional tour players and they were interviewed in depth about the links between their sporting performance and their parents and coaches. Mm, what does that mean? That's so key. Yeah. And, and I think just to quote something here, yeah. And I think it's I think we're particularly interested in that approach, right? Because we've seen so many star athletes uh, with really unique relationships with their parents, with our parents have been yes. so key and foundational in in yes. getting them in the game, but also helping them to overcome. What were the insights yes. from that uh, landmark uh, interview? Uh, well, it's absolutely fascinating. So um, he- here's a quote: Do you feel really safe enough to just play the game of golf? Do you play the same game when you are alone or when others are watching? Mm -hmm. And how early on in life did the question, what will they think of me, begin holding you back? Mm. And here's the formula from the the feedback. The safer we feel... Hi, Nikki. Hello. All right, let's let's start again from when you're saying the safer we feel, your sound has dropped out there. Okay, so it says, here's the formula. The safer we feel inside, the greater the challenge we can meet 
outside. Mm -hmm. The player who can meet the challenge completely with 100% of his energy and attention will always outperform the one that feels threatened. It's that simple. Being safe comes first and runs deep. And if we feel threatened in any way, our attention will be on defending ourselves Mm -hmm. rather than hitting that shot. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, it's absolutely, those are words to live by because you see it in so many interactions in uh, one's personal life or just in the workplace where, uh, one, you know, people's energies, as you said, are taken away from performing or pursuing their real passions uh, because they're just worried about what will other people think or what if this doesn't work out, you know, so worried about an outcome they can't control versus the input they are fully in charge of. Absolutely. So to sum up, um, to teach kids to win with humility and lose with grace, they need to feel safe, more safe than threatened. Mm -hmm. We want them to be competing for themselves, not for us. Sure. And having 100% of their energy and attention in one place, and I I always quote this, when your child, uh, you know, kicks a ball, are they looking at you for approval or are they in the game? (laughs) And here is the last two um, playing for the love of the game and what is what what are you learning so there were two things that parents in the survey um, that, that that these these winners said that their parents never asked them the score they asked what did you learn and did you have a good time interesting all right. That's simple, parents. <laughs> if only it were. Nikki, as, uh, just before we say goodbye, uh, what toys were you playing around with this week? Come back. It's called Pass the Bum. Okay. Pass the Bum is a, a word game, very, very competitive, from um, a game maker called Piatnik. Mm-hmm. You'll see it in all the shops as well as online. It's somewhere around 270 to 300 rand, depending on where you, where you buy it. And it's a fast-paced game, and there's a plastic um, variable timer in the shape of a bum, a round ball with a fuse. Sure. And it goes tick, 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 tick. <laughs> and basically what happens is there are 13 cards in the middle of the table. You've got a group of people playing. The cards have got letters on, like M-O-T or R-I-B or E-N-T or O-R. And, um, and, and at the beginning of the round, you throw a dice which says you can use these letters at the beginning of a word, in the middle of the word, or at the end of a word. So it determines where you use the letter sequence. And you start the timer, you start passing the bomb. When you hold the bomb, you've got to come up with a word. So if you got M-O-T mm-hmm. and it could be used at the beginning of a word, it would be maybe mother. Mother, yeah. Or moth. Yeah. Um, okay, so once you've come up with a word, you pass it to the next person. They have to come up with a word using the same letters in the same place. And you keep passing the bomb until someone gets stuck and they can't think of a word. And the time is going tick, 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 and event- eventually it explodes. And if it explodes... Oh, goodness. The, with the most cards yeah. at the end of the game is the loser. The person with the least cards is the winner. Sounds like so much fun. Nikki, thanks for that. We'll chat to you again next weekend. Great pleasure. Thanks, Rafilwe. All right. And the name of the toy is Pass the Bomb. I can just imagine how competitive we'd get in the house with those word games. Absolutely love them. Always enjoy them.